Is there anything that has happened today that I should know about? I know Nick Senzel has COVID, maybe. <laughs> but is there? I didn't see that. Mm. I don't know about anything today. All right. Uh, are the Cardinals playing yet? They are supposed to play. Uh, they're going to play a doubleheader today, and then they're just going to keep playing oh. uh, just nonstop uh, through the night into tomorrow morning. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, they're going to be playing games. Uh, Wednesday, they'll be allowed to eat a, a smallish meal, and then they're going to play six <laughs> more games on Wednesday. It's going to be like one of those like four-day cricket matches for the Cardinals. <laughs> <It really is. laughs> <laughs> like until the end of the season, finally... they're just going to be playing nonstop. Just like, all right, we're just going to stay at Cardinal Stadium, <laughs> Bush Stadium, whatever, and then just rotate in the teams. Like We don't get to leave, though. Everybody's just sitting there like applauding every time someone on the other team makes a good play for five days. Welcome to Batting Around, uh, a baseball podcast. I'm Jane Ost, co-host, and I'm here with my other co-host, uh, Lauren Walker. Hey, Lauren. I'm Lauren. That's Lauren. And Steven, how's it going? Yo. <laughs> We're all here. And we have our first guest, very special guest. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, it's David Roth. How's it going? Hello. I'm doing all right, all told. Good. You know. It's a sliding scale, but for the most part, okay. Yeah, you've got a bunch of new stuff going on here. Yeah, yeah. That seems, that seems really exciting. You got Defector. You got your new podcast. Yeah, that is all. I'm glad the podcast is happening. I mean, I'm excited about Defector too, but for all of this stuff, it's like, I, I want to get to work, which is a feeling that I've very seldom had in my life. Like, I really like not doing <laughs> things way more than I like doing things, uh, yeah. which I know is like a, a pretty bold, pretty bold stance. But, uh, well, but it's weird. There was just so much going on, though. Yeah. That you had to get to. Yeah. And I want to, you know, like, it's easier for me to imagine how the, the you know, how Defector might work, like, when I'm doing blogs than when I'm, like, thinking about uh, the the idea of starting a new thing at, like, the end of the American experiment. Like, if it's just, if you leave it to me as, like, all right, I get to write about, like, why uh, Jacob deGrom makes me sad and happy at the same time, I can do that. Uh, but yeah, the other stuff is, is harder to get my head around. So yeah. Well, you were, you, you were really just like saddled with having to write about Trump for the last like nine months. It's good to get back to sports, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that's basically the, the role that, it's something I've noticed a lot, like during that long period without sports when everything was just fucking news and that was the entirety of the, you know, basically what you could consume, like whatever like dregs Netflix had like sitting around where they're like, this is one where like Tay Diggs rows a canoe around. Like, and that's, that's the movie. And like, that was, so it was that. And then it was Trump being like, when I said earlier that I wanted to do genocide on everybody, that was obviously a joke to trigger the media. And like, those are the two things that you could think about. And I was like, man, I really fucking miss West Coast basketball. Like I miss uh, being upset by the Mets roster management, you know, and now we sort of have it for however long we have it with baseball. And it, it honestly has like been more of a mood stabilizer than you'd think. There's never going to be uh, a shortage of, like, Mets fuck-ups for you to dwell on and write about, no matter if they're playing or not. Yeah, that was, I felt kind of badly about that, because, like, they managed to, you know, they had, they hired a manager that they then had to get rid of, which they did in the most oafish possible way. Um, and even then, I was, that was, like, February-ish, and I was kind of like, you gotta pace yourselves, guys. <laughs> like, this is, it's a long season, and then they were there were no roster moves. There was no real mistakes to make for months. They've been metsing extraordinarily hard just the last week. And I can't say that it like feels good, but in some ways it's like I, I guess I missed it. Well, okay. So how how have they been metsing super hard? I mean the the Mets stuff that I that I'm like caught up on like right now is like, you know, the opt outs. Like yeah. The big opt outs. But what what else have they I mean, what else have the, they been the doing here? are like harder for me to to get mad at i mean like so but you can start with the set this you can start with the cesspitus one where he opts out and then there's all these like anonymous quotes from the team leaked to the so there's two tabloids in new york there's a fascist one and a not fascist one the mets are on better terms with the fash one right uh so they they leak to the post that like cesspitus is like he didn't tell us 
which is like he probably did. He's dancing with a sexy lady. Yes, that one, which is like the idea of Jeff <laughs> Wilpon calling like his guy at TMZ and being like, I got a spicy one for you. Like, do you remember the guy? He was on the A's. <laughs> then he was briefly on the Red Sox. At that point, moves to the Tigers. There's a trade at the deadline. And the guy's like, I don't fucking care about this, man. Like, my job is catching David Spade outside of a nightclub. <laughs> like, ask, asking him his thoughts on strippers. You know? Yeah, like, every time TMZ has, like, a big sports thing, unless it's, like, a huge, huge, huge star. And, like, baseball players barely even count as, like, huge stars yeah. to the general public. Like, Not anymore. Nobody who doesn't pay attention to baseball, like, could pick Mike Trout out of a lineup or right. probably even knows who he is. So, like, they don't give a shit about you know Cespedes like yes. you know salsa dancing what at a nightclub a month and a half ago risque salsa I dancing. totally missed that yeah it's a yeah. I mean yeah yeah there's there's the leaked photos and everything yeah this is how this is how the meds do it though because it's like on its merits it's good that you missed that there was definitely something more important happening in your life than a yes. photo of Johanna Cespedes at a dance club in Queens like doing this like it's not really that like it's not a visual medium i probably should have i did a dumb salsa move uh on video i don't know if that showed up in the podcast the but yeah so they, they did that they're they're sliming him which is a classic mets move guys are getting injured and they're either in the case of jeff mcneil they're not putting them on the injured list because while he has a deep bone bruise in his knee they're like oh he could be back in five days uh which is it's a 10-day injured list like why do that why even bother and you have like they're like oh we have a huge roster we'll just stash him here for a while the twins were trying kind of trying to do that with like josh donaldson and, and a couple of their pitchers as well and it was just like no nah, just they're not coming back like all these guys that got hurt were like old guys they need some time yeah and i don't understand the impulse to like not call people up i mean i guess it's for the mets it's half of its incompetence you know which is yeah. Not, you know, it's excusable. It's not the sort of thing that you like, but it's an explanation. Uh, it is, as they say, not what you want, but it is like how <laughs> they work. The other half of it, though, is just like they, they like making guys play hurt um, one way or the other. And then they're very, very stubborn about stuff. So bringing back Robinson Cano from the injured list when it's unclear whether he can run or not. He's in like the now in like the Cespedes role where like last night he's still getting hits because he's Robinson Cano and he's magic, but like he runs like he's got a fucking parking boot on. Like he looks miserable. <laughs> it's completely unfair to do that to him. But you know, so there's that, and then I'm trying to think of what the other uh, most sort of Metsy moves. I mean, they've done a lot of like rage DFAs of guys and they've lost some people. Trading for Billy Hamilton in 2020, kind of Metsy. Uh, giving him 15 at bats, extremely messy. Uh, but you know, it's it's not the sort of thing that I can even get mad about now because like I'm realizing, first of all, this season doesn't matter and isn't real. And second of all, yeah, like, that's that was the topic of our first episode, yeah. was, uh, whether or not it even matters. So I'm gonna cut that in there just to undercut Lauren's point in later. Yeah. So what can I get like where you all landed on that one? Like, is it real to you? I said it doesn't matter unless like the twins go really far and they, they win it all. I'm fine with that. Steven's kind of in the same boat. With the yeah, th there there is a general consensus of like nothing's real unless I want it to be real. In which case, yep. it's extremely real. Um, but so far, uh, it, it, but based on my um, my measurement, my measuring stick of the season, uh, so far the season is extremely not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I took the contrarian stance um, that it's as real as any season where the Marlins made it to the World Series, which um, not implausible at this point of the, of the season. Yeah. Yeah. We we have like some weird, some weird like potential playoff situations, like sort of stuff that could happen. Like I saw people joking on Twitter, like Lauren joking on Twitter and stuff that we're going to get an Orioles Marlins World Series this year. And then like I went through the standings right now to see like where um, – it would be if like it ended today and we went on win percentage um, and like the Marlins would be playing the Padres. This is all the round one stuff. Cubs, Diamondbacks, <laughs> Dodgers, Reds. The Reds have like a 454 winning percentage. So right good. Now. <laughs> uh, really good. And then Rockies, Braves. That's for the NL. And then in the AL, it's the, yeah, the number one Oakland Athletics versus the number eight Detroit Tigers. <laughs> um, and then it's... <laughs> And then it's the, the Yankees versus the Rays, the Twins versus the Rangers, and the Orioles versus uh, Cleveland. Super good. I mean, to me, like, it was when we like, were Like, it, still... it is just chaos. Yeah. 
we were still talking about this abstractly. Like the, I was of the belief that the funniest possible outcome would be like the Mets winning a World Series in this season, and then being like, "It's proof. Like the Wilpon way works. Look at it. Like we we <laughs> went we went thirty three and twenty seven, and then we won in the of course in the fifth round of the playoffs." We defeated uh, the um, Hanshin Tigers, who had been called up to baseball <laughs> because so many people had died, and like that's just... yeah, yeah, they, they like yeah, they 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 play the Marlins in the first round, and then everybody in the Marlins tests positive for COVID yeah, again, like... and then they just uh, you know have to forfeit it. So like you know they're on to the second round yeah. here. Let's do a whole bunch of best of threes. <laughs> Let's go. I haven't watched a lot of the. Um... Like the we, I haven't done like the season ticket thing yet this year in terms of watching other teams. So I've seen who the Mets are playing, which is basically the sort of desiccated husks of the National League East. Um, I'm really curious about like watching the Orioles. Like, are they spunky or are they just kind of like winning because uh, everybody's sick and confused and basically playing like a March 15th level of baseball? I haven't watched a second of the yeah. Orioles. It's I, I I watched some like a good part of the series with the Nationals, which who like they, I I didn't see the second half of yesterday's doubleheader, but um, they were getting won the first two basically just on the on the bullpen. Uh, them and the Marlins both are are both like in that weird, um, not a ton of offense, but one or two slightly productive guys, and then just a a good enough bullpen of guys you've never heard of. Um, to like feel like a 2013-2014 Royals team. Well, yeah, you have these like bullpens that are that are good enough because all the batters got like, you know, 2 hours in the batting cage before the season started up again. I regretfully participated in like a game and a half of the Phillies Orioles uh series and um I, I like I feel like the Orioles they didn't even factor in because I was so focused uh, my rage was so like laser focused on the Phillies specifically yep. and how much I like hated them and wanted to kill myself um so I I, I can't like I did I did watch Orioles games uh this year but I could not they I could not tell you a single thing that happened it's like a like something you remember it basically as as you might remember, a nightmare, more or less. You're kind of like, I don't, there was yeah. Anthony Santander was there. His mm-hmm. teeth were so large. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if memory serves, yesterday was actually the first time the Marlins had played a game at home all season. <laughs> Jesus. How many yeah, games that, have they that played? That old yet? August 14th home opener. So they played, like, <laughs> they played like 10 games. The Cardinals have still played five Yeah, they're like the difference games. between them and... Five. Yeah. Five, five games, yep. It's a, it's like a twelve game difference between them and like the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the Twins have played like nineteen games so far, uh, and that's even with like a rainout. The yesterday. Phillies the Phillies are six and nine, so they've played uh, <laughs> fifteen games. Nice. The uh, it's it's meanwhile cool. the Braves have played uh, twenty one. Yeah, the Mets have managed to stay uh, not healthy because, as I mentioned, they're continuing to make guys play hurt and stuff but they have avoided uh, exposure to the pandemic which again and credit to the Wilpons, obviously all the way mm. uh the famous see, level of care for the the people in their employ see it's the mets so they're gonna get it eventually oh yeah in the most hilarious weirdest way possible the the, the vector is gonna be mr met <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're they're gonna ban all the the mascots from the stadium after Mister Man. Yeah, he would be, <laughs> he would be the super carrier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got that giant mouth. I'm trying that to giant think of... smiling mouth that can just put out a lot of spit. That's the thing you don't see on TV, even with all the HD like yeah. you know, TV stuff Spewed that we have him. going on now. Yeah. Is just the spit yeah. that's coming out of Mister Met. So I was times. near Mister Met um, a couple of a couple of winters ago, uh, and he was it was very. It was moving to me. I mean, I was like 41 years old at the time that I met Mr. Met for the first time. And it's still, you know, it. I felt things, you know, like I felt a lot of emotions. Of course. But what, the other thing that I noticed is that Mr. Met smells faintly of like uh, vinegar. So I think oh. that, that, he, that that costume is disinfected. Uh, apparently in like some sort of medieval type of way, like presumably that involves <laughs> lowering it into something. But it is still like a, a bubbling cauldron. Yeah, right. There's, there's a lot of 
yeah, anybody that's covered a Mets game knows in the tunnel under the stadium, tons of cauldrons, not always clear what for. There's a couple witches in there dropping yeah. lizards into it as well, and then the mess, then Mr. Matt just the head comes out with that <laughs> with that just rictus surface surfacing <laughs> like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, <laughs> breaking the surface <laughs> of the water. Just coming up, yeah. <laughs> He gets he gets thrown into an Iron Maiden every year when the Mets get eliminated. <laughs> just whenever the Wilfons are just you know feeling feeling frisky. Yep, leaking <laughs> quotes like about his lack of commitment. He never talks. I mean, what's we're that pretty about? Much doing, we're pretty much doing the old Conan skit of like suicidal Mister Met right now. Yes, <laughs> but the uh, I don't know. I mean, I I like watching their games. Still, it feels like kind of dubiously ethical almost at this point but it is like i've found it very easy to get back into it um yeah. even with yeah. but with like a, a little bit more like advanced case of like kind of uh being attuned to the absurdity of it like i've been frustrated but i they haven't made me mad yet in part because i'm like this is all so obviously stupid that like why yeah. would i why would i bother how have they approached the um because uh, i haven't caught, caught a, a mets game how have they approached the um the cardboard cutout because because there's like two approaches that teams are taking to the cu- the cutouts. Mm-hmm. There's sizing the cutouts as if it's a regular person, and then there's sizing it um, like it's a giant head. Well, and like giant babies and giant dogs and yeah. other freaky unnatural things. So, Lauren, would you be surprised to learn that it's extremely haphazard and that there is no coherent approach at all? Uh, there are some <laughs> giant heads uh, behind home plate. There's one guy that I keep thinking is Bartolo Colon, but just a guy just a season ticket holder with a similar shaped head but then there's other ones that are more normal sized there are huge dogs there's a whole section of dogs uh and ordinarily that would be the sort of thing where i'd be like oh you got to break it up or whatever um you know respect the wishes of the owners i like when they cut to the big section of dogs i'm not gonna sit here and tell you i don't that could last into next season they can keep that for a couple years that'd be fine yeah I mean, it's not like these are not the most popular seats, you know, like I'd say that, like, if you want to sit there more than you want to see a dog sitting there on (laughs) TV, you should be able to pay for it. But that's a decision you should, you know, take seriously. Every single obstructed view at Fenway should just be this now going forward. (laughs) Just a a large cardboard cutout of Jerry Remy that you can sit next to. It's just a bunch of Ben Afflecks. That's what I want. (laughs) I mean, it really is, though. Yeah. Under under the, normal circumstances, it's just different versions of Affleck. Like if there was a create a character option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I kn- I know that we're we've we've talked about the Mets more than uh, yeah, anybody outside of like Mets fandom has talked about them in you know a long time. Uh, but I have one more question about them: Are All they right. still trying to pretend that um, Pete Alonso is an interesting personality? I think that they have embraced. Alonzo as who and what he is which is like a big goofy earnest guy who's like kind of trying so they're not trying to make it seem like he's like <laughs> a quip a quipmeister or like a, a great quote or anything like that and he's clearly not like a hundred percent made for these times like he's gotten these I think it's like Padres fans have trolled him really hard about like September 11th stuff. And like every time he sees it, he's like, no, a lot of first responders died on that day. That is wrong. I do love, Which, I love that picture yeah. of him just like on in that home yeah. run swing, just going right into the Twin Towers. I know, I know. And I, I mean, I feel badly about it, but it's, it's funny. It's funny it that makes he always laugh every time. to it. But like, yeah, he's not a guy. Or like, that, or it's like him behind an ISIS flag and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, like holding yeah. it up with the yeah. But <laughs> I think that for all of that, like, he's a fucking sweetheart. He's like, he seems like a nice enough yeah. fellow, and like that, like he shouldn't be on Twitter. Honestly, it's pretty bad for everybody. No. But he is is especially the type of person that shouldn't be on there. He's not built for it. No, and because people are gonna keep doing that to him, and he's gonna keep being like, it's really <laughs> fucked up that you guys think ISIS is good. And, like, if you're getting successfully <laughs> trolled by, like, a teenager in suburban San Diego, like, you have to hang him up. Like, that's just, <laughs> there's nothing left for you on that platform. Even just in his cohort, that's, like, a worrying sign for things to come. In, in, like, the most online generation of all time, he's screwed. Yeah. But he's, like, he's a big Florida guy. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Thank you.
Roth, I've wanted to ask this for a long time. Yes. And I'm really excited. So I wanted to ask this for a long time, and uh, I finally get to do it. Are you ready to um, bring up a couple uh, baseball players <laughs> and, and then talk about them? Recall some personages? Hell yeah, I'm ready. This will be good. <laughs> Dude, I don't have I don't have cards for the guys that we're going to be talking about. I want to make that clear. Well, it's a it's that's fine. It's a right. it's it's a, not a visual medium. Yeah. Um, unless I get really good at making deep fakes here pretty quick, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. So I wouldn't worry about the cards. Um, making baseball cards is Steven's thing anyway, so don't worry about that. But I'm ready to remember some guys if everybody else here is. Too. Let's let's do the thing. Okay. We're just gonna do. We're just gonna each bring up three guys that we remember and remember fondly, right? I'll take first stab because um, he's he's one of my. I, I think we've all all three of us um, had a, like a a couple dark um, moments of introspection of trying to figure out what makes a guy. Um, <laughs> the first guy I settled on is my one of my all time favorite players. Legitimately, the only person that I would consider from these three of like buying a a, a jersey from. Um, Legendary uh, Diamondbacks closer Brad Ziegler feels like a guy uh, to me. Do we all recall Brad Ziegler? The um, yeah, that's a guy fondly. Soft tossing, um, submarine style. Submarine style. It, it, first off, he's cool because he's like a, a submarine a submarine pitcher. Uh, the A's taught him how to do it. It wasn't like how he came through the minors. He just figured it out and lasted a really long time. He had like a ten year career. He got the full pension. Um, but what I always liked about him, first off, he was like the, my grandmother's favorite player uh, for a lot of pretty mediocre Diamondbacks teams. Um, but there's something about guys who like consistently outperform their FIP by like a point for like 10 years. That's just kind of fun in like a fuck you to um, sabermetrics way. Because um, I think his career ERA is like under three, but he was never, um, I think he was an all-star once. He was never like an outstanding um uh, uh, flamethrower uh, that would get considered any kind of like fantasy consideration for what he was doing. Um, but he was like consistently like a weird soft tossing uh, fastball changeup guy that was super fun and, and um, lasted forever. Um, and he apparently was recently in retirement writing for the athletics about fantasy football, which I think is like a fun post player <laughs> career for a guy. I like that. He switched sports. That's cool. Yeah. That's excellent. That actually reminds... Do you mind if I go next? Go for it. So this reminds me of a guy that I had been talking about um, in the Mets DM uh, recently. Uh, because... so That sounds like a deeply cursed place. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> cursed. There's a lot of people in there that are like young enough that I find it upsetting that they're like allowed online. Like people that were born in like yeah. 2002 or whatever. Right. Which is fine. That's not their fault. You know, like uh, they didn't choose that. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to like it. But it is it is um, a reality that I deal with. But we were talking about Andre Jimenez, who the Mets have called up, and um, he's very young and so far has been very good. Uh, but is also like he's limited. I mean, he's like a blogger-sized person playing baseball <laughs> with like baseball-sized boys, which is hard. And I love that the guy that I have been reminded of with him because it seems like a comp because they they're similarly slightly built was Ruben Tejada, who. In the same way that Brad Ziegler had a very good career, I mean, Tejada did not have nearly as good a career as Ziegler, uh, but played for a long time despite being a little guy who was very, very close to, and you can see it in looking at his numbers, that basically like when he lost one step, that basically with some of it with age, some of it with attrition, with injury, he was barely a major leaguer which made it that much more impressive that for the years when he was a pretty good major leaguer, when he was like a two-win guy playing shortstop for the Mets, that he was so clearly at the absolute max of the capacities that the good Lord gave him. That it was just like, there was not, he was never going to hit homers. You couldn't tinker with his swing to make it possible for someone that size to hit homers. He didn't have like crazy athletic ability that would have given him range or anything like that. So when he was good, when he was like actually able to do his best, he was still pretty good. And then the moment that like he lost that little bit of an edge, it made me appreciate all the more what he was able to accomplish given the fact that he's got like 
whatever, that he would be like the fifth most physically imposing person on the defector staff. <laughs> That's a great pick, too, because if I'm remembering the timeline right, that was like right in that, like, the start of like the big boys at, at shortstop kind of era. Yeah. And he was getting compared yep. to like six foot, four, like six foot seven Corey Seeger types. Yeah. He's like, no, like, I'm was- still 5'10. It was very, it's very Mets too that that's like, cause they, they draft types, you know, and not always effectively. Um, they like, like white guys that played at ACC schools and like hit 300 or whatever. Like that's, and they keep drafting them and they keep barely being major leaguers, but they definitely would have kept drafting like Raphael Santana sized guys, even while like Francisco Lindor is out there just like being a fucking giant <laughs> and covering ground and hitting homers, but whatever, bless them. That's a good guy to remember. I like it. Um, all right, I got a guy to remember, and I did bring this one up in the in our uh, when we were DMing um, about what sort of guys you want to remember. And I'm going with Boof Bonzer. Say again. Does anybody else remember Boof Bonzer? Oh yes, very much so. Boof Bonzer. Yeah, you can he say was it a big again boy. if you like. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> Boof Bonzer. He was a big boy. He looked like he was like 34 when he was a rookie. Yep. Like he had the um, you know like front facing video in your car goatee <laughs> like from right from the beginning he he actually like legally changed his name to boof when he like started his baseball career <laughs> um and no and he was he was a starting pitcher for for the twins and he had like one really really good season i feel like i probably wrote some baseball cards for boof bonzer because it overlapped with the time when i was freelancing with tops and for they had some change in the rules so they needed to get more rookies into the sets but it had to be like there was a certain eligibility thing so it was like the really interesting prospects couldn't be rookies it was just like a guy that got called up and made some appearances which was a hundred percent i mean if you had to sum up booth bonzer's career in one <laughs> sentence that would yeah. basically be it yeah no and like the the twins like got him and this was like towards the tail end of me watching baseball for a while was that like 2004 whatever to 2006 like that was kind of the tail end of it but the twins got him from the giants um along with joe nathan and francisco liriano in a trade for aj perzinski which was like a notorious trade (laughs) around these parts being associated with a total fleecing like that is a good legacy to have i think i think so too even if like you were the third guy that didn't really pan out. I mean, I know Liriano had his problems, but then they had Joe Nathan <laughs> like closing out games forever uh, for them. But uh, Bonzer, Booth Bonzer, now like he he like he flamed out. He had some injuries. He was never the same. Never got back into you know Major League Baseball after a while. He went and played in China for a while. But now I looked it up <clears throat> last night to see what he's doing now, and he's a pipe fitter on submarines in Connecticut, like building submarines <laughs> for the military. Incredible. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> like he and he's just like, man, I wish I, I wish I could go back. He like wishes he could go back really, really hard from like that the interview I read with him. But yeah, I think it's pretty cool. He's just like, yeah, I'm just building submarines now. I like that his strategy yeah. was just like, I need, I need the one other career in the world that still has a pension. Strong union man, Booth Bonzer is living his ideals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Steven. All right, yeah. Who's your, I, who's your first guy? I can't remember some guys without bringing up uh, Philadelphia Phillies legend Wilson Valdez. Also briefly a Met. Um, okay. Because uh, we just won't shut the fuck up about this icon. Uh, yeah, he's briefly he was briefly a lot of things. Um, let's see. Uh, White Sox. Mariners, Padres, Dodgers, Mets, Phillies, Reds. <laughs> good, great. In yeah. a in a seven year career. Well, that's good coverage. That's good. It's like um, getting a high score. That's that's how you know you had a great career. Yep. That's um, like a re- that's like reliever level, like moving from team to team. Well, he, I mean, he was. Uh, so, yeah, he was a um, utility infielder who found himself. As a position player pitching during a 19-inning Phillies game, and uh, we were all delirious, and just yeah, he he got through <laughs> the top of the 19th 
Uh, he got through Joey Votto, <laughs> Scott Rowland, <laughs> Jay Bruce. Also, only one of those guys reached base? Carlos Fisher. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Scott Rowland reached base by getting hit. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, he is an absolute legend. Uh, and we this is this 19 inning win over the Reds is considered the Wilson Valdez game. Yeah, um, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it right now, and it says that um, he was the first player to start a game in the field and end up as the winning pitcher since Babe Ruth in 1921. Yeah, he was traded to the Reds um, for a pitcher who <laughs> did not have a win, uh, but Valdez did. <laughs> um. And yeah, I remember uh, personally. I so he eventually must have ended up on the Camden River Sharks, the uh, um. former unaffiliated um, minor league team uh, just across the river. I was there for like a work event, um, and I remember like seeing him. We were like really close to the field, and I remember like seeing him before like hearing his name, and my me and my friends like got really drunk and like screamed for him every single That's time excellent. he did Atlantic League games are great. Actually, he like tipped his cap to us and that was really fun. That's some good guy remembering. Yeah, yeah. that seems really fun. It's, it's definitely the like, River Sharks. It's what it refers to is either something mythical or something like depressing. Like it's like, oh it's like the river dolphin. It went up there it died. It did die there. It shouldn't have been there, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't prepared for fresh water. <laughs> like, it went in at the mouth of the river and that like dumps into the ocean and uh, yeah, it was a mistake. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, Lauren, do you have another guy to remember? I do have another guy. Um, this is one that I had not thought about in a couple of years. Um, just he hasn't really done anything. He's, he is still technically an active player, but I, I thought of him uh, when I saw that the other day that he had I actually opted out for the season. Um, Wellington Castillo. Oh yeah, Ooh. of the Cubs, Diamondbacks, and a really disastrous year at the White Sox. Um, I remember him most fondly because I've been hit by a foul ball from him. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> in Arizona. It was just like a lazy. It was it was in Arizona. It was in my in my aunt's um, season ticket that she shares with like old Arizona Republic people. Um, and it was just like a lazy fly ball that over the um, over the backstop um, before they extended the netting even further. Uh, and it was a great life lesson for me uh, that I, I'm always appreciative of him for because <laughs> it taught me that I have no survival instinct because I did not like <laughs> even think to raise my hands to stop the ball from hitting me. Uh, and it just like rolled into me. It was like a super, it was like 30 miles an hour. It was who cares. But I didn't like, I couldn't even get my hands above my, uh, above my shoulders. Um, <laughs> It hit me and it rolled off, and Absolutely some child froze. snatched it up, and I, I never saw it again. You really you missed out on that eleven dollar souvenir. It, it would have been a, it, it. It makes the story better for me that I was just like too incompetent to even like get out of my it's chair. Called letting and the game come down. to you. And I respect it. I I remember him for that, and I remember him for the awkward segment um, uh, that he probably had to do for every team at some point in the season. Where they would like roll out uh, uh, from some concession stand in the stadium where they do the things no one wants to eat. Uh, they they cooked him a beef Wellington and brought it out onto the field for like the inter like pregame that's segment. Like, that's what you want to eat right before you like play baseball <laughs> before you run around a bunch is just like a big plate of beef Wellington. Well, he ate, like one bite and was very confused because this is like he's I th- he's from the Dominican Republic, I believe. Yeah. Um, that is not something that is eaten regularly in the Dominican Republic. That is not like a staple of, of the cuisine. He was very confused about why they were bringing him this lumpy piece of gray beef wrapped in like... Yeah, with um, the fucking demigloss in it too, uh, which is not, again, in, in a like huge part of the Dominican food way. And you're really not getting like, when you <laughs> yes. think demigloss, you're really not thinking yep. like... Uh, stadium demigloss is considered one of like the, the lesser forms. Like it's, it's really you're hard not to getting like a four-star like demigloss. A chafing dish uh, near a giant bathroom. <laughs> yeah. From, <laughs> From the Luis Gonzalez themed <laughs> booth. Yeah, there's there's a there's a trough about nine feet away from where they're preparing that. Like <laughs> a piss trough full of ice. I think they probably just use the stuff from like the um, the, the you know 
the pulled pork uh, tachos that were like the, the chase staple that year. Um, but he was game for it. He did it. He didn't understand what they were doing. What a great organization to be a part of. No, that so that reminds me. I got to go back to my guy for a second. So when I was reading about Booth Ponzer the other day, it was talking about how when he was in uh, he's in Taiwan, one of his one of his teammates there um, from Taiwan was like, "I make a really good chicken soup. I make a really good chicken soup." And so Booth Ponzer had him bring some in, mm. and then uh, refused to eat it once he saw that like the chicken head and feet were still in it. I love so, that. Like, yeah, just <laughs> he was not up for the you know the cultural exchange like Wellington Castillo was. Anytime any player brings any homemade food to the dugout or, or to the to the clubhouse, like whether they made it or their mom made it or like a friend made it, that yeah, is like the a stinky Tupperware of like, something that shoots right into yeah. my into my cortex. That is like all of the endorphins firing at once when you do that, that kind of guy shit. as well. That like that's in the I same want. way that we we round up on um, points for like personality or whatever. Like, anything like that, the idea of being like, oh, yeah, this guy, he likes, uh, I don't know, like, broth. But, like, that somehow, like, lodges, because it's, it's an attribute that's not, like, he hunts, he likes tobacco, like, his beard's got, like, cake in it. You know, like, just normal baseball shit. So, for me, uh, it, Michael Kadire is the guy that I will remember now, <laughs> who, uh, very disappointing met, uh, they, but a great twin. Yeah. Says Jane, I imagine, will have happier memories of him than me. But what I remember about him, and I don't know if this will check out for Jane, there's a video of him doing card magic in the dugout during spring training. I have not seen right, that. So I watch it like <laughs> once or twice a year. It's like ASMR World class. For me. Like I just find it very soothing. It's him doing a card trick for Denard Span, whose mind is very obviously blown <laughs> by the trick. And it is super <laughs> I missed, pure. I miss both of those guys yeah, a I, lot. I'll send you a link. It's like... It was on the MLB.com like years ago, and I think it's still kind of hard to find. Emma Spann is usually good to tweet it like every now and then. Like she's another sort of a believer. Uh, Kadire always had a very like dadish energy. Like he was just kind For of sure. like an oldish looking guy from the moment he came up. And he had some very good seasons, but by the time he got to the Mets, it was like his whole lower body was in like armed insurrection against his, uh, you know, general being. Yeah, he was and, a guy that was, like, probably limited to playing first base when he was, like, 13 years old. Yeah. Uh, so if you're the Mets, naturally, you install him in left field. Like, right <laughs> yes. away. Yes, yes, of like, course. We can't you keep have putting to, yeah, Lucas Duda up there. Is there anyone the same size but older <laughs> that could maybe do it just as poorly? <laughs> yeah, but he... Uh, the card magic thing is great, and he has... He's found the video. I'm watching it on mute right now. All right, good. He's done a bunch of them, and he's, like, he's pretty good... But, like, the thing with card magic that my personal uh, taste with it is that, like, I want you to be good, but I don't want you to be too good. Like, it, it should be, like, what you're looking for is, like, uncle with surprising talent, not, like, guy right. on stage in Macau who actually makes his living doing that. Yeah, and, yeah. You, you don't want to see that too polished. On that. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's there's heavy uncle magic vibes um, coming off of this video, yes. for sure. There's some other, there's another minor leaguer in the dugout, but Span is the one that I remember because he's really like, like he like tries to like pull an explanation out of there. He's like, you, do you hide it in there? And he's like, no, I didn't, man. It's magic. But I do appreciate Denard Span <laughs> rolling the dice for uh, the cause yeah, they're, of reason. They're, clear, they're clearly like in Fort Myers right now, like at spring yep. training. For and sure. it is very ASMR-y. There's just, like, some <laughs> classic rock song playing in the background. Like, they're, like, dragging the infield. <laughs> it's like, if he was crinkling up a piece of paper near the mic, it would not be any different. Oh, no, that's a good one. Kadaira was a good one. Um, so you you pandered to me here. I got my next pick, and it's kind of kind of a pander um, to you because he was a Mets guy. And it's a little bit, little bit older. And I don't remember him as a baseball player. And... Uh, I don't even remember him for the thing he was more famous for, but I remember sports radio guys in Minnesota bitching about him for years afterwards, and that's DJ Dozier. Oh, yeah. Well, he was a Viking. Yes. So he, was a, some... he's, he had, like, a great college football career, and then he was a Viking for, like, four years and was just completely disappointing. Um, yeah. And then he wound up playing for the Mets for, for a year. He managed to have disappointing careers in both sports. He was kind of, like... DJ Dozier walked so that Drew Henson could run, I guess, uh, or fly. But it was, um, yeah, yeah, he I was mean, a super highly touted and prospect. He, bro he broke even... ground for Tim Tebow is what he did. 
Yeah, and it's funny. It's good <laughs> that the Mets were there for both of them. Obviously, this is the cause they care deeply about. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember him as a college football player, faintly. So my mom went to Penn mm-hmm. State, and he was a star at Penn State. It was even then not the kind of running back. Like He was like dated even for the probably late 80s, early 90s. Like, he was a very right. straight-ahead, like off-tackle type of dude. And he was fast. I don't think he could get on base or whatever. Like he did play in the majors, but barely. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I could definitely imagine people getting mad about him because it's like he won't commit to either sport. Also, he's not that good at either sport. Uh, but yeah, I do recall uh, DJ Dozier is like, that was like kind of a golden age for two sport baseball, football athletes. When they and still he, let them. He like, was do the that. least of those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He has a, a 191 batting average for the Mets here with two RBIs. Uh, all right. Steven, do you have another guy? I do. Uh, my next guy is Cody Ashey. Um, the, the poster, the poster child for the, um, the Phillies, uh, decline and rebuild years. Um, he (laughs) was crowned the next Chase Utley several times because he was a white dude who was ascribed the attribute hustler by the, uh, talk radio. Um, and he was bad and I just, I just liked the guy. He seemed nice. Maybe, maybe the, maybe the, uh, Utley comp sort of like dug into my brain unwillingly and just. I'm looking at his pictures and he's definitely not going to be on Thurs Basement anytime soon though. No, he's very, he's very, um, Midwest. Oh yeah. He's corn fed looking for sure. Hulking corn fed, like. Is White he boy. still active? And he was with the Mets AAA team a couple years ago. <laughs> and I remember, like, even in Las Vegas, he was slugging, like, 410. And I was like, I don't think it's going to happen for this guy. But um, His baseball reference right. disappears um, in 2017. Well, he signed with the Twins, like, this offseason on a minor league deal. But I haven't heard anything about him, and I, like, follow that stuff pretty close. So, like, I don't know if he's even, like, at the, um, you know, alternative training site or whatever. Uh, at the you know St. Paul Saint Stadium across town. I know town. there's a proposal no that idea. teams have asked for an extra 15 roster spots or something for the alternate sites, and that seems like if you're if each organization can sign 15 more guys, then Cody Ashy might get a plate appearance this year. So keep hope alive. He just had a tweet recently going after Darren Rovell. Oh, Cody Ashy did. Let me see if I can find that. I remember it uh, yeah. like that's why he's at the forefront of my brain right now because I was like, "Oh, right, he exists." That's a dangerous way to find these guys. Like looking at old players' Twitter likes is like the doom of so many otherwise great um memories. He had a sassy reply to Darren Ravel about um uh COVID it does Cody Ashy uh, think that it's not really that different than the flu? Is he one of those guys? Uh, no, uh, he is apparently mad at Darren Ravel for uh, he, he replies, uh, "Darren, you ever you ever gonna own up to justifying someone contracting COVID because they tweeted that they weren't scared?" A bunch of people got in his mentions about that, and someone said that he sucked at baseball, and he's like, "Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks for taking it easy on me, though." I love the, I love the, the, yeah, I know. Like, I do that all the time on Twitter, too. Like, that's very, very, very familiar. You don't see that as often with with position players. Usually it's the the, um, pitchers who are like, yeah, the fastball's 74 now. I get it. Yeah, all the good, all, basically all of the good (laughs) baseball players on Twitter are pitchers. And I I think Dan Herons, by the end, was like, his account was literally like, at iThrow88, which is. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, it's a pretty good at. Yeah, I I found similar from Brad Ziegler in between the um, uh, uh, faves of um, uh, r- various mm. right wing cranks. Yikes, that's too bad. Lauren, do you have another guy? I do. I have I have one more guy. Um, I fully admit I've I've never seen him play, but um, I remember him from this weird story uh, from years and years ago, like two thousand nine. It's Adam Eaton. Uh, the pitcher. But the the pitcher, nice. exactly. Thank you. <laughs> pitcher Adam Eaton, uh, who I recall from a news story. I, I found it. Um, a couple people reported it, but I found it on, on an old um, CBS page where the younger Adam, Adam Eaton, the younger, 
then in double A received uh, residual checks from Adam Eaton the Elder, um, for like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that had somehow gotten to him by mistake, and he very reluctantly had to return them, um, realizing he he probably shouldn't cash them in, in himself as as the other non-related Adam Eaton. Um, but he's like a cool guy too, just because he has like this weird career where. Um, he was on two really good Phillies teams. I'm sure Stephen remembers uh, the like 2008 and 2009 teams. Uh, he was on both of them, but didn't have a single playoff appearance in either one. He got left off the roster the first year and then um, never called up from the bullpen in the second. Um, but he he was the pitcher of record for the Phillies' 10,000th loss, which is one of those great, um, <laughs> which is a, a Phillies great honor. legend memory. That is how I know that name. Still, still has a World <laughs> Series ring, though, presumably. I mean, just because he didn't actually get to play. Uh, but that's, I respect that. He had some very defensive statements in the, in the media about like, well, yeah, you know, I, I pitched 180 innings in the regular season. That kind of, that counts for something. He had some very, like, defensive. I guess I'd be upset, too. Uh, and he also did have a really great um, spring training injury. One of the great all-time spring training injuries uh, where he stabbed himself in the stomach while he was trying to open a DVD package. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I love off the field um, sports injuries, you know, from anything from like there to like uh, Madison Bumgarner, like fucking himself up on a dirt bike. Like I love off the field injuries so much. I feel like we were kind of shorted on that this year in a really unfair way because the injuries are sad now. Yeah, the yeah. vibe is all wrong. I'm sure the guys yeah. are still. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely the um like, uh, Clevenger and like Zach Plesac, uh, like blowing off a curfew so that they could go open baseball cards with their homies in some in like Naperville, Ohio, or Illinois is like that fits. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, it's like they could have made everybody sick and they recorded like a, whatever Zach Plesac did one of those like, uh car recording video things where he's like a lot of people have misconceptions with, about dad's with, rights and you're like buddy <laughs> like <laughs> yeah while driving which was a great yeah without a seatbelt on you get I, I we talked about this in the dm but it was just it was instantly recognizable from the first 10 seconds of that video where you're like not only does this person not get it like he will never in his life get it like he will never understand why anybody is mad at him no, there's a whole second conversation in his brain right now about whether he should be taking hydroxychloroquine that is, yeah. we're not privy to, but that's where all, like, the, the brain power is going. <laughs> yep. There's just, like, a, yeah, like, a channel in his brain that's, like, those, like, Instagram stories just endlessly sort of scrolling, and, like, he can't quite make out the text on the thing, and he's like, what? And that's, that's how he thinks, I think. went back and forth on my next one uh but i think that i'm gonna choose a pitcher because i haven't done that yet so uh pat mahomes the baseball player is probably before any of your times possibly yeah i was born in the late 80s i don't remember so he uh so he is the father of patrick mahomes the you know best player in football yeah but he was he was a twin first as a very yep. highly touted prospect. It did not go well for him. Uh, he and Willie Banks of Jersey City were like they're both they're like whatever supposed guys that were going to head up the rotation, and that did not happen. But he came over to the Mets, and he had one of those seasons that you can have as a like middle long relief type, where he was like eight and zero. Like every time he pitched, everything went great, and he like. I remember him very fondly from that year because he like he had one game where he like pitched really heroically in extra innings and he was all fired up and I was like yeah this guy likes baseball I like baseball too that's cool and like he was not he didn't have dominant stuff uh, he walked too many guys and like the wheels came off pretty quickly after that this was like turn of the millennium stuff but he was there's a couple of things that I remember about him uh, that again, like beyond the fact that he was really excited to pitch three spotless innings and extra innings against the Blue Jays, like the summer I graduated from college. (laughs) He, uh, he was famously like a super athlete, like just like a freak athlete who would do things to amuse his teammates, which is like one of those picaresque 
baseball things that I appreciate. Like do flips and yeah, shit. Yeah, like that. He would apparently could, um, you know, like the batting cage that they set up in batting practice. He could jump and grab the right. top of it, which is like 12 feet off the ground. Yeah, he just has a huge vertical. Yeah. So, and which is again like not useful if you're like a innings eating like sixth starter, like <laughs> late. Re- yeah, yeah. But- no, that's that's the sort of like athletic skill that you want for like that fire throwing pitcher who can just like is a is a human spring. Yeah, that's not for like <laughs> the innings eating guy. The yeah. other thing that I remember about him, which is one of my favorite things about any baseball player that I saw, so he. You know, they you know, play your song when you come in to pitch. And he requested uh, the song Bad Boys by Shine featuring, I think, Barrington Levy. It's like a, a dance hall reggae dude. And then Shine, who's cool. I think still in jail uh, for shooting a guy, <laughs> was like basically a dude that got signed to the label Bad Boy because he sounded exactly like Biggie, even though he was like 155 pounds, which is a really strange thing to do. The song itself is very dirty, uh, like just has a lot of cursing in it. And so the it's a dance Mets, hall song, yeah. And so the Mets would just play the instrumental version of it, which still had Barrington Levy's vocal parts. <laughs> so you just hear like a beat while he was warming up, and then periodically a guy would just be like, Whoa! And that was all you would hear in the stadium. <laughs> and it was just a solid laugh every time. I fucking loved it, and I I don't think I'll ever have an experience similar to that at a baseball game. God, that rocks. That's a good yep. one. That's a good guy to remember. All right, I got my last guy here. Um, and this was this was a guy that I was always see, happy to see in a game. Um, he pretty much always had terrible facial hair. And for a couple years... He was a wet guy, um, and I'm talking about Colby Rasmus. Oh, one of the wettest, a pioneer. Yeah, he was when when he was with the Astros and he had the the hair grown out. He was he was a, a super wet guy, yeah. and I just like always loved like just just watching him because I was just like this guy is like when when the game's not on, he's like teaching a bat boy how to like smoke weed out of an apple. Like I, I just I loved looking at that guy. Like like a strange human being. Um, he for some reason like his dad got a ton of press. Like his dad would get interviewed all the time, which I can't really think about for a ton of other baseball players, especially for ones that like didn't really <laughs> live up to expectations at all. Like, but his his dad was just always getting interviewed. Um, and he had <laughs> he came from like a bunch of brothers that were all like trying to be you know baseball players and they were all they all had c names and what but one of them was kyle with a c <laughs> like that detail always stuck with this me. guy has a legendary neck yeah. beard yeah no so gross like for the last five years of his, but the one that steven is talking about his last picture when he was with the rays i guess and then just withdrew from the season yep he looked like uh where it's just all coming down Like an here. Amish drug dealer. Like it was one of the strangest combinations <laughs> of aesthetics. There was, there was a, there wasn't there a reality show a couple of years ago that was like Amish mafia. And it was like a bunch of Amish guys that like looked like Colby Rasmus yeah. with shotguns and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, his dad was just always like, even years after he was off the Cardinals, like his dad would be like, get, get time with like yeah. ESPN or something and just be like, the Cardinals fucked him up. <laughs> it's all their Which fault. Is, I rode that kid hard. I did everything right. The Cardinals fucked that kid also, up. Also, <laughs> imagine what it takes to be in a feud with Tony La Russa and probably be a bigger asshole. Which is just a remarkable achievement. Yeah. <laughs> In- <laughs> incredible stuff. Like, No, I love it. And then he just kind of left um, a couple years ago. Like, just didn't, didn't really perform well. Had, like, super, super bad splits. Like, where he wasn't even worth keeping around as a platoon guy. I'm sure to like spend more time with his kimonos and mall katanas or something. <laughs> but like, yeah, R.I.P. Colby Rasmus. I I miss him. But all right, we'll, we'll move. We'll one move final on. one final thought on Colby Rasmus, if I can sneak it in. Yeah. The way that beard is shaped, so it kind of cuts under the chin. It's kind of a perfect COVID beard. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can wear a mask. The mask That's is true. not going to interfere at all down there. That is. He just barely missed his his time. Yeah. But you know that, like, you know, Colby Rasmus is, one, I'm not sure he's wearing a mask. Two, two, I bet Colby Rasmus gets coughed on way more than a normal person. <laughs> That's, like, in his scouting report. 
Elite bat speed. Right. Also, he's always getting diseases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whenever, like when when the ice caps all melt in Siberia, like melts, and we have, you know, there's just mammoth skeletons laying everywhere, and there's like horrible diseases coming back that humanity hasn't experienced for fifty thousand years. Colby Rasmus is gonna be patient zero. Yeah. <laughs> all right, S- Stephen, all who's right. your guy? Um. My final guy to remember um, is uh, still a player. Um, I am going to remember Eric Sogard. <laughs> I just watched um, him play the other day. Because <laughs> he is so goofy looking, and I love that so much. And it 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 led to one of my favorite moments um, uh, on baseball Twitter, which was the. Uh, the face of the MLB yeah. contest that he very narrowly <laughs> lost to David Wright. Two very similar talents. Because athletics and then eventually all baseball fans just decided that Major League Baseball's extremely stupid, um, meaningless contest should be uh, hijacked. And I think that's wonderful. Uh, I fully, fully believe that they rigged the vote at the last minute for David Wright to win. Um, I don't think that that's... I don't think I'm a tinfoil hat person when I say that, um, but he is delightful. And it's weird to me that he is still playing because I feel like he's been around. He got a free agent contract. Like, he got, like, a proper deal from the Brewers. It's not a ton of money, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was good last year. Yeah, Yeah, he was. For all... I mean, I have a soft spot for all bespectacled baseball players, but he... Yeah, same. it's like definitely like as profoundly bespectacled as anybody in the game. Like it's just inextricable. Yeah, like because it's like real glasses. That that ha- like especially, like especially in porn, where like this human being does not look anything like a nerd, <laughs> but they wear glasses, so they're like categorized as nerd. Like that kind of that annoys me because it's just like so many people wear glasses now. Like, can we leave this? Can we leave this thing that we do? like behind and so calling every major league baseball player that wears glasses a nerd is kind of like like i i don't agree with that but eric sogard's definitely he's a kind of nerd little yeah. yeah the best uh, i think that so he was my favorite bespectacled position player uh he never really made it to the majors for a long period of time and i think he just retired but matt perk was my favorite of the bespectacled pitchers and if you haven't seen him you should look him up p-u-r-k-e he looks ex- fucking just blazed in every photo that he ever took with a team, and he played for a lot of teams in spring training. <laughs> so every time you see him, oh just like it looks like he got called, you know, on photo day or whatever, and just like stumbled out of a van, like thick with smoke, and was like, "All right, cool. Like, let me hold on. Let me put my yeah, glasses." It was just on. the beginning yeah. of Fast Times at yes, Ridgemont absolutely. High. Like. like- <laughs> I, I've looked up his picture, and I've spent, like, weeks arguing with this guy about different editions of Dungeons & Dragons online. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely went to college. Wish him well. Yeah. He just, he uh, just retired to fourth, go coach fourth baseball. Fourth edition is uh, underrated, I'm going to say. Does it, oh. does it feel like, is anybody keeping track? Because it seems like we're kind of in a, a renaissance for baseball guys wearing glasses. Yeah. Like, it seems like there's been an uptick in a couple years. Is that my imagination, or... I think there's m- is more Warby of it. Parker like sponsoring um, MLB. If or something? you were to tell me that, like as a fact, there I was, believe it. So when I was a kid, I remember a lot of guys wearing like large, like look like a porthole on a cruise ship, like big glasses with like wire frames, and there was like a lot of pitchers that looked like that. But also like baseball when I was a kid in like the '80s is aesthetically unrecognizable relative to the game today. The guys didn't really yeah. exercise. They all, like, smoked cigarettes and were, like, yeah. fucking on speed all the time. And so there was a lot of people that looked... Oh, what a life. That sounds so fun. I mean, it like... sounds kind of exhausting, but yes. Like, also, you have to remember, it was the 80s. Like, there wasn't any good food in America yet. Like, it was, like, still basic. <laughs> so, like, you just go for so why you don't eat an appetite? Yeah. Just, just take a bunch of greenies. <laughs> yeah, so you go to, like, some new town, and you go to, like, a steakhouse, and you get, like, a steak with, like, a piece of curly parsley on it and nothing else. <laughs> and then you go and you drink, like, Cuddy Sark with your homies all night long. <laughs> like, and that's how you look like, you know, whatever, like, Kent Tacolvi at 27 just looks like Chuck Grassley. 
you know, but it's... <laughs> but... It didn't help that, like, the highest SPF they had at the time was, like, 15. Yes, of so much of that, too. It's like, all these guys were just outside all the time. Any- not like, I imagine that Jim Leland would have worn sunblock anyway, but, man, the... It was a, it was a very different world. It was such a different world. Well, do we have any more, uh... Any more notes on this before before we button it up because we've remembered a bunch of guys here and i think we did a pretty good job yeah it felt good felt good coming off the bat all right well if that's the case we'll uh we'll put a button on this one here thank you so much david for uh for coming by here and everyone please go uh give give money to david for uh defector here i'm i'm super excited about that it's launching in september right i appreciate it thank you all for having me this was a blast to do and i would do it again in like an hour if you wanted thank you so much for coming no it's a, it's a treat yeah yeah this is really cool yeah uh yeah we'll definitely have you on again sometime soon yeah, yeah. david will we will talk to you soon i'm sure thanks have a good one all right, so you guys can follow us uh, on Twitter at Batten Around. That's without a G. Um, and then we're on Spotify. We're on everything now. So uh, go on there. Tell your friends. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Thanks. Cool.